Hello everybody and welcome to episode 4 of the Audio Guide to the Galaxy Season 2. My name is Leon and I'm a presenter here at the SciTech Planetarium and I'll be your guide for tonight's stargazing session. This recording is timed to be listened to at 5pm on Sunday June 21st. This is a bit of an unusual time because the sun will still be up, but that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. It's a very special day to be stargazing because this is the day of a solar eclipse, the winter solstice, and we'll be able to catch a glimpse of the International Space Station. All of these observations are intimately related to the sun. You should know the drill by now. Make sure you're wearing warm clothing. Already? Good. Let's go stargazing. Now, before we go any further, it goes without saying that staring directly at the sun during the middle of the day is a very silly idea, so don't do it. It can cause damage to your eyesight if you do it for too long. However, at sunset, because the sun is at such a shallow angle to the horizon, sunlight has to pass through a lot more of the atmosphere before reaching your eyes. This reduces the harsh glare of the sun. Even still, don't stare straight at it. Look off to the side. Take a moment now to find the sun in the sky. You should have no trouble finding it in the western horizon. And if you're looking slightly off to the side, like I said, just next to the sun, you'll also see another familiar object. The moon. One thing you might notice is that the sun looks kind of reddish. Light from the sun contains all the colours of the rainbow. Reds, oranges, greens and blues and so on. The atmosphere, the air that we breathe, is very good at scattering blue light. So when sunlight reaches the earth, all of the blue light gets scattered and bounced all over the sky, giving it that familiar colour. This is why our sky is blue. And at sunset, as we said, the sun is at a much shallower angle to the horizon. And this means that those colours of sunlight pass through a lot more atmosphere on their way to our eyes. So much atmosphere, in fact, that not just the blues, but also the greens and some of the other colours get filtered out as well. So only the reddish and orangish parts of sunlight make it to our eyes. And this is why sunsets usually appear to be reddish or orangey in colour. So the question of what colour is the sun is actually really difficult to answer because it depends on how you're observing it. Now I mentioned that you should be able to see the moon just next to the sun in the sky. It will be quite tricky to spot because it's very nearly in front of the sun, but you should see it just a tiny bit to the north of the sun. And in saying that the moon should almost look like it's in front of the sun, well today is a very special day. Today is the day of a syzygy. You may remember from the audio guide episode two weeks ago, syzygy is the word that scientists use to describe when the sun, the earth and the moon are all lined up in a straight line. This happens every couple of weeks as the moon moves around the earth, but the alignment is usually only roughly in line. Perfect alignment of the three is much less common because the earth is constantly moving around the sun and the moon is constantly moving around the earth. And to make things more complicated, the moon's orbit is tilted compared to the earth's orbit. But when the sun and the earth and the moon are all perfectly lined up, we get eclipses. Two weeks ago we had a lunar eclipse. This is when everything was lined up in the order as Sun, Earth, Moon. The Earth, 
was between the sun and the moon and cast its shadow onto the lunar surface. And this is a lunar eclipse. It was at about 3 o'clock in the morning Western Australian time, so don't feel too bad if you didn't see it. And that was two weeks ago. And in the time since, the moon has moved all the way around to the other side of the Earth. And right now, the arrangement is Sun, Moon, Earth. And this is why we can see the Sun and the Moon looking so close together in our sky today. Because we're on the Earth, looking towards the Sun, and the Moon is in between. And today is the day of a solar eclipse. A solar eclipse is when the Moon moves in front of the Sun and casts its shadow onto the Earth. Earlier today, for people in India and China, the Moon appeared to move directly in front of the Sun and blotted it out. The sky went dark, and it briefly appeared to be nighttime. Unfortunately, we couldn't see it like this from here in Perth. To understand why we didn't see the eclipse, hold out your hand and cover up the Sun with your thumb and close your left eye, keeping your right eye open. You should see your thumb covering up the Sun. In this example, your thumb represents the Moon. Now, keeping your thumb still, open your left eye and close your right eye. What did you see? It looks like your thumb moves to the right, doesn't it? Now, of course, your thumb didn't actually move, you just looked at it from a different position, your left eye instead of your right. The same thing happens when we look at the Moon from down here in Perth. Because we're on a different part of the Earth, the Moon looks like it's in a slightly different part of the sky, and that's why we couldn't see the eclipse from here. But it's still pretty close. But as we said, for people in India and China earlier today, they were in just the right spot on Earth to see the Moon pass in front of the Sun, creating a solar eclipse. To be specific, today's eclipse was called an annular solar eclipse. The Moon's distance to the Earth changes over the course of its orbit. Sometimes it's a little closer to the Earth, and sometimes it's a little further away. Right now, it's actually at the furthest point away from the Earth in its orbit, so it looks a little smaller in the sky than usual. Small enough, in fact, that it didn't completely cover the Sun during the eclipse. People watching the eclipse today would have seen the Sun peeking around the Moon on all sides, making a ring of sunlight in the sky. The fancy word for ring is annulus, and hence why it's called an annular solar eclipse. And solar eclipses are a beautiful coincidence. Side by side, the Sun is 400 times bigger than the Moon. But the Sun is also 400 times further away from us than the Moon. And these two effects cancel each other out, and the result is that the Moon and the Sun appear to be about the same size in our sky. And that is why we have such beautiful solar eclipses. So to recap, if the Moon moves in front of the Sun, we get a solar eclipse. Solar eclipses happen during the day, when the Moon moves between the Earth and the Sun. If the Earth moves in front of the Moon, we get lunar eclipses. And lunar eclipses are visible at night, when the Earth is between the Sun and the Moon. And if we ever find ourselves in the situation where the Sun is between the Earth and the Moon, we call that the Apocalypse. Today is also a very special day for a different reason. For this next part, you're going to need to get out a phone or a compass. 
using your phone or compass, check which direction is true west, and then compare where the sun is setting. You might notice something interesting. When we say the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, well, it doesn't usually set exactly bang on west. In fact, you should see that today, the sun is setting in the northwest. And why is this? To understand this, we need to understand the Earth's position in space around the Sun. As the Earth moves around the Sun, it defines an imaginary surface that we call the ecliptic. Imagine a DVD. The middle of the DVD is where the Sun would be, and the Earth is like a marble going around the outside of the disc, and the ecliptic is the flat plane represented by the rest of the disc itself. Now you might think that the Earth lines up perfectly with the ecliptic, that the North Pole points straight up and the South Pole points straight down. But no, the Earth is tilted. The entire Earth is tipped over a little bit. It's tipped over by about 23 and a half degrees compared to the ecliptic. So as the Earth moves around the Sun, for half of the orbit, this tilt causes the Northern Hemisphere to be pointing towards the general direction of the Sun and the Southern Hemisphere to be pointing towards the general direction away from the Sun. Now to be clear, the Earth isn't tipped over entirely, only a little bit, and that's why we can still see the Sun down here in the Southern Hemisphere after all. But what that means is that for the half of the year when the Northern Hemisphere is pointing roughly towards the Sun, then the Sun is actually a little bit to the north in our sky, and so it sets in the northwest. At one particular point in the Earth's orbit, we reach a maximum. The Sun gets as far north as geometry will allow, and sets as far in the northwest as possible. And that particular day of the year is called the solstice. And you might have guessed by the fact that we're talking about it, today is the day of the solstice. Specifically, the winter solstice for us. The Sun is as far to the north as it will be this year. Another consequence of this is that it's also the shortest day of the year. To be clear, the rotation of the Earth still takes 24 hours, but the amount of that time that the Sun is up in the sky, visible to us, is less than any other day of the year. The movement of the Earth will carry it around the Sun further, and the Sun will appear to move southward in the sky, back down towards true west. So here's a little project for you. Go outside and watch the sun set once a week for the next few weeks. It doesn't have to be the same day each day or anything like that. Just keep an eye on it from time to time and make a note where it sets against the horizon by comparing it to some sort of reference like some trees or your fence or something like that. And over time, you'll see the sun setting at different points in the sky moving more and more south each week. Now I said for half of the year, the tilt of the Earth causes the Northern Hemisphere to point roughly in the direction of the Sun, and the Southern Hemisphere to point away. What about the other half? Well, it's the other way around. As the Earth continues on its orbit, for the other half of the year, the tilt of the Earth points the Northern Hemisphere roughly away from the Sun, and the Southern Hemisphere roughly towards the Sun. What do we see then? Well, because the Southern Hemisphere is now pointing roughly towards the Sun, we see the Sun set in the Southwest, moving further and further south each day until, again, it reaches an extreme. 
getting as far south as geometry will allow, and we're at the solstice again. This time, the summer solstice. This occurs at around the 21st of December. After that, the movement of the Earth on its orbit makes the Sun appear to move north again, and the whole process repeats. So there are two solstices a year. One where the Sun reaches as far north as it will go, and one where the Sun reaches as far south as it will go. And it's all because of the tilt, and the orbit of the Earth. In fact, the word solstice comes from ancient Latin and means Sun stands still. And that's quite a good word, really. The sun reaches its most northerly or southerly point, appears to stand still, and then turns around in its path in the sky. If you haven't realised it yet, the tilt of the Earth, causing different hemispheres to be pointing towards or away from the sun at different parts of the orbit, is what gives us our seasons. And so we see this great connection between the seasons and the position of the sun in our sky. During winter in the Southern Hemisphere, like right now, the tilt of the Earth has pointed the Northern Hemisphere roughly towards the Sun, where it's summer for people up north, and the Southern Hemisphere roughly away from the Sun, where it's winter for those of us down here. And because the Northern Hemisphere is pointing roughly in the direction of the Sun, we see the Sun setting in the Northwest sky. And during the day, the Sun doesn't really climb that high up into the sky. Instead, it sort of hugs the northern horizon. And because the sun is so low in the sky, it doesn't stay up for very long, and we don't get a lot of heat from it, and thus it is cold. Winter. But as the Earth continues on its orbit around to the other side of the sun, we see the sun move higher and higher in the sky, as it starts to set further and further to the south each day. The result being, of course, that we start to get more and more sunlight, and move towards summer. And this is the reason for our seasons. There's one more exciting thing we'll be able to see tonight. Again, thanks to the Sun. And that is the International Space Station, or ISS. Tonight, at exactly 6.38pm, June 21st, the ISS will emerge from the Western Horizon. Pretty much from exactly where the Sun appeared to set, though that's just a coincidence. Check the SciTech Facebook page for a map to help you look. It will be moving towards the south, and if you've been practicing your stargazing, you'll see it move from Canis Minor to Canis Major, passing between the two bright stars, Procyon and Sirius, and continuing until it passes over Canopus into Argo. Now, of course, you won't be able to see any detail of the ISS. It will just look like a big bright light in the sky. But as it continues to move further south, something interesting will happen. Just after the station passes underneath the Southern Cross, it will disappear. The light just fades out. Did the ISS go into a void? In a manner of speaking, yes. Something you don't really think about until someone tells you is that when it comes to spotting satellites in the sky, the reason we can see them at all is because they're reflecting sunlight. Satellites don't produce their own light. Sunlight bounces off the spaceship and into our eyes. And as the ISS is moving across the western sky, remember, the sun has just set in the west. Although we can't see the sun here on the ground at that time, 500 kilometers up where the ISS is, it's still in sunlight, and that light is reflecting off it, and that's what allows us to see it. But as the station keeps moving, 
eventually it moves into the Earth's shadow. And just like that, it's cut off from the sun and is no longer reflecting sunlight. And so it just appears to disappear from our sky. It's still there, it's just too faint for us to see. There are of course some lights on board the space station so the astronauts can see what they're doing, but not bright enough for us to see down here on the ground. And so this is an interesting thing about seeing low Earth orbit satellites. You can only really see them just after sunset or just before sunrise where they're still within range of the sun and out of the Earth's shadow. Now there are some other satellites like GPS which are much higher up and pretty much always in sunlight, but of course being much higher up makes them much harder to spot in the first place. That's a task for another day. You might have heard the exciting news about human spaceflight recently. SpaceX just successfully launched the Falcon 9 rocket and the Crew Dragon spacecraft carrying astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley on their way to the International Space Station. This was exciting because it's the first time ever that a commercial company has launched people into space. Every other astronaut in history has been launched as part of a national space program, like NASA in the USA or Roscosmos in Russia. But SpaceX is a private company that has developed their own spaceflight technology. And the other exciting news about this launch is that it was the first crewed launch to take off from the United States since the space shuttle retired in 2011. Every astronaut who's gone into space since the year 2011 has gone up on a Russian rocket. The other exciting news is that the SpaceX Falcon 9 rockets are landable. Can you imagine if aeroplanes didn't have landing gear? You're going on holidays, you get to your destination and the pilot says, right everybody, put your parachutes on, and then you all jump out and the plane just ditches into the ground. Every time you wanted to fly, you'd have to build a new aeroplane. The fact that aeroplanes can land and be reused is what makes flying cheap. And the same goes with landable rockets. Historically, rockets have been used once only and discarded. But a landable rocket can be reused, and this makes it a lot cheaper to send people into space. We really are at the dawn of a new space era. That's it for this episode of the Audio Guide to the Galaxy. Tonight we learnt about eclipses, the solstices and the seasons, and how to catch a glimpse of the International Space Station. Stay curious about the universe, and remember, knowing stuff makes you cool. Good night everybody. <laughs>